0: says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Welcome to people that also would join us online and we welcome you from your homes or countries wherever you're at right now watching Uh, church people we just bless you in Jesus name believing that soon we can gather face to face again and see you and give you a handshake or a hug hallelujah but we bless you. And thank God that you're safe and well in the name of Jesus. And those from other countries that would join us, we just welcome you to South Dakota. Our weather is different than yours, I'm sure, unless you're joining us from Siberia. But otherwise, uh, uh, it's a little different. So we just welcome you where we're inside. It's warm. Outside is very cold. But uh, we thank you for joining us today and being a part of this service and our family here. Hallelujah. I want to talk some about the champion in you. The songs today were all just great, just things on God and the inside of us and so forth. And uh, uh, The one who lives in us, even the last song we're singing there, uh, I Know Who I Am. I think most people have no idea who they are. I think a lot of Christians have no, no idea who they are, that they're just kind of wandering through life, living life, struggling through life, Christians struggling just like the world in life, but have no idea that if you're a Christian, you have a champion that lives on the inside of you. You have the King of Kings that lives on the inside of us. And so that makes us different. That, that changes the whole perspective of our lives. Do we still face adversity? Yeah, we're in a fallen world. We do. However, we face it now with in an overcoming way because of faith. We, we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I think people get the mistaken thing uh, thinking that uh, if they're a champion, they never make a mistake. And that is so far from the truth. Everybody is just a person. So we live, we live in a place that we, we do make mistakes. We are just people. We, we might say something or do something that wouldn't, wouldn't be accurate or good or something like that. And yet God is bigger than your mistake. Amen. Turn to someone and say, God's bigger than your mistake. See, he's, he, that's why Jesus came, is to help us. If we could be perfect on our own, we'd never need a, need a Savior. But the fact is, we can't. There was no righteousness by the law. So we, we all need a Savior. If you're in another religion right now, I want to encourage you that the name of the Savior is Jesus Christ. And that is a name that is above every other name. And I want to encourage you just in the quietness of your home or your car, wherever you're at, just to to speak that name. You can whisper that name if you're concerned about others hearing you, but you can just say, Jesus, Jesus. And I'll tell you what, when you speak that name, there's power in that name. And he'll come into your life. He'll come into your circumstances. He'll reveal himself to you. That he is a savior and he's your savior too. So you have to put your trust in him for that to be activated. So so we think of champions as someone who's ever made a mistake. And of course, uh, you know, I go back to, I regress or digress to ath- athletes and so forth who've won championships. And uh, we've won championships. I've experienced that. And yet we make a lot of mistakes. We think of great athletes that are Hall of Fame athletes. And yet... Uh, shooting, say, in basketball, they miss more than they make. But we don't think about that. Or baseball, we think, boy, he's a great hitter. He's a 300 hitter. That means he's missing more than he hits, all right? He's, he's on base less than he is on base, you know? So uh, we have to remember that. You think of great football players and so forth that have great statistics, and yet they've lost many, many games. No one, no one is perfect, Uh, Today, in in today's game, this this will date you based, uh, you could think of a lot of winters like this that a guy named Tom Brady is playing in this game, all right? But in the NFL draft in the year 2000, Tom Brady waited and waited and waited through the first round, through the fourth, through the fifth. Finally, in the sixth round, he was picked for, as a quarterback. There were six other quarterbacks picked prior to him. So in other words, he could have thought, wow. People don't think of me as a very valuable player. Obviously, you're in the NFL draft, you're valuable. but, But most people think of the number one picks, you know, or the first round picks, you know. And Tom Brady was way on down the line. So he's the 199th person picked in that 2000 NFL draft. And he could have thought of himself as just a mediocre player, or he could develop himself. Folks, all of us are in a place of development, Okay? You're not who you're going to be yet. So we should always look at ourselves. I don't care how old you are. You might think, well, it's too late for me. It's not too late for anybody. We're in a place of development. And so as we learn spiritually now, we learn the Word of God. We learn to walk in faith and so forth. We begin to experience more. And the champion in us begins to grow and develop. And we begin to think of ourselves in the right way. So any person going into this game today, and and believe me, they're all nervous. Sometimes you think, oh, they're pros, nobody's nervous, you know, because people get up here sometimes and say, I'm really nervous. Everybody gets nervous, all right? So they're very nervous, and Tom Brady's playing in his 10th Super Bowl. He's already won six, all right, six rings, so he's got rings now for a second finger, and so forth, and yet they will be nervous, but all those people on both teams and both coaches and trainers and everybody there thinks, they think that they're going to win. A champion plans on winning. A champion doesn't plan to lose. Now, whether you realize it or not, you're already a winner because the winner lives in you. Amen? So so many times what we're doing here on Sundays is just teaching people to win. Teaching people to win in life. Teaching people to think right. Think, teaching people to think, you know, hey, you might have a bad day, but you get back up and you live the life and you can experience this abundant life that God has given to us. Yeah. Amen. Now, it takes effort, doesn't it? Some of us, you know, we would think, oh, well, I've had a lot of bruises and so forth. And there's there's people playing in this game today. You'd be shocked at how people get taped up, mended up, and so forth. Just to get out on the field, you think, are they going to walk all right? <laughs> but they will. There was a quarterback in my day. My day, he had such terrible knees. His name was Sonny Jurgensen. And so I followed people like this. But he was, his knees were so bad, he'd go and play a game. And when he'd leave the locker room later, in, later after the game and so forth, he always left in a wheelchair because he couldn't walk. His knees were so bad and hurt so bad, he'd leave in a wheelchair. And yet he'd get out the next week and he'd start practicing. Again, of course, they'd give him cortisone shots and different things. He'd play in another game and leave in a wheelchair. But he expected to win. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to expect to win. Don't, God doesn't plan for a bad day for you. Amen. He plans for good days for us. The champion lives in us. Therefore, with his strength and his help, I can live this day in his victory. Now, it's not a question. I'm not to Wednesday yet. Why should I be thinking about Wednesday? Today is the day I've got to think about, right? If we get ahead of ourselves, then all of a sudden, I don't have strength for Wednesday yet because it's not here. But I have strength for today. And, of course, that's the trap the enemy gets us in. We're We're out there so far that were worried about so many things. No, it's just, it's today. The game, the game is played today. The game wasn't played last Thursday. Right. So what were they doing Thursday? They were preparing on Thursday. They were doing Thursday things. They have routines. They have routines that they follow and so forth. So you, you have to live this day for the Lord. Amen. And you know, if we don't, you know what it does? It sucks the life. It sucks the joy out of things, you know. So many times as Christians, we're, we look like we've been baptized in pickle juice, you know. Life's kind of like this, you know. and I used to think of the word fundamental, which meant no fun. Christians have no fun. That's not true. And Roger was talking today, even in Sunday school, about this too. But, you know, life has to have some fun in it. Amen? Amen? Life has to have things, we call it downtime or whatever, but just something that you're doing. You're enjoying life should enjoy life. And you have to stop and think now. There is a champion that lives on the inside of you, and his name is Jesus. Amen. So when I look to him, all of a sudden, I begin to draw this strength from heaven. Of course, it's on the inside of me, but I begin to draw this strength, and I become stronger on the inside Amen. because of his help. Well, let me just scoot along here. 2 Timothy 3. So it's just some scriptures, you know, a coach, a coach recognizes potential. So, so uh, a coach will look at a person, could look at a quarterback, develop that person, and so forth. But that's the same thing spiritually. God looks at you and sees potential. So the scripture is profitable to us, all right? It's given by inspiration. It's profitable. but it shows us reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or equipped. So the coach is instructing correcting, encouraging that athlete, that person, at least a good coach. You find some coaches, they're just yellers. That's not so good. Because you want to instruct and correct, show the right way, and then encourage them. Hey, good job, good job. And that's what God does for us. He's not, you know, will you make a mistake? Let's just settle that right now. You will. So just forget about being perfect, okay? And just, and just think about playing the game of life in a way that you're going to play it in victory. Look at another scripture from Ephesians 2. It just says that we are his workmanship. So it's, we are the master's work. We're your work of art, really. All of us are unique and all of us are different. But we're, we're important in the realm of the kingdom, all right? Ready to be used for good works, which God planned for us. He planned for us to walk in these good works. Living the good life, living the good life which He planned for us. I think about that. You see, because sometimes people are mistaken when they think, "Well, the the Billy Graham's of the world, or somebody's preaching, and so forth." And wow, they're the ones that are really walking in this victory, and they're the real champions. And and of course, the truth is, not so. You remember I shared a testimony. Uh, some weeks back, I guess it was, you know, when, when God used a carpet layer and so forth to, to uh, minister and set a guy free and so forth, you know, and uh, tremendous testimony. But here's another one, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, of course, people begin as nonbelievers, And Charles Spurgeon goes to school, and he's a teenager in school. Now, we think of Spurgeon as writing a lot of things and that he was a preacher and he was used of God and so forth. But it was while Spurgeon was a teenager and at school that he was influenced for Christ. Now, who influenced Spurgeon? Was it, was it a professor, an instructor, or somebody like that? Or was it a pastor or something? And the answer to that is that it was a cook. A lady that worked at Spurgeon's school, whose name was Mary King, ministered or shared with him, he saw her when meal times and so forth, And Mary King shared with Spurgeon, eventually invited him to church. Eventually, along the way, he gets saved. But people don't think about that. See, people rank things like, this person's really important in the body of Christ. And this person, they're going to heaven, you know. No, everybody's important. And how you see yourself is important. How you see your value is important. You have to see yourself as valuable. You have to see yourself, that you, he counted you worthy, that he would die for your sins. You accepted him. He puts the Holy Spirit in you to transform you, to make you into his image, and that you are a champion in Christ. If we don't see that, then we won't share him. You see, otherwise it's like we're always down here, heads down rather than up. But we won't share him. We won't do the things that he wants us to do. All right, let's look at a couple things in, in uh, Old Testament first. So we're going to talk about Abraham. Abraham in Genesis 12, 2. Abraham, we all know, is a father of faith. He was uh, great influence in the Bible and so forth. And God says, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and your name will be great, and you will be a blessing. And that's hallelujah for that word. But Abraham, along the way, makes, let's put it like this. Let's, let's say a mistake with a capital M, and the mistake of the capital M is, is his wife tells him, she says, I can't have children, so go have children by my maid. And so he does. So we'd call that an affair. And he goes, and this lady, Hagar, gets pregnant, and she has a son, all right, Ishmael. And at that point, Sarah thought, oh, I made a mistake. Too late now, all right? Now you have a pregnancy. Now you have a child. Now you have another nation, all right? along the way. Sometimes we categorize things. People do make mistakes. Some are bigger, some are more public, or so forth. And then we say, well, God can never use them. Well, it's just over. Well, I used to think that way, and then God, through the years, Lord showed me, I guess he is using them still. I guess they can come back. I guess, I guess they can recover. God is in the business of forgiveness, and New Testament wise, he has just part of his character is grace that he gives us. So we go to Genesis 17. So after this, after Ishmael, now Abraham's 99 years old. Now he waited for this promise 25 years. So God gives him this promise he's going to have a child, promised child, through his wife for 25 years. Now it's 99 years later. So or he's 99. So 24 years later, the Lord appears to Abraham and says, I'm the Lord Almighty. Walk before me, be blameless. I'm going to make my covenant between you and you, me and you, will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face. God talked with him. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you should be the father of many nations. Now, initially, in Genesis 12, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Singular. Now he's going to be a father of many nations, because he started some other things in process. All right, so now we have a plural here. Plural nations that are going to be started because of because of a mistake. However, however, in regardless of all that, God just still says, hey, I'm still going to keep my promise to you. We think we think so. So an athlete, if he makes a huge mistake in a game, we think I'm going to pull him out, not going to use him anymore. Sit the bench. And God doesn't do that at all. God just says, hey, stay in the game. Keep going. Keep going. I thought it was interesting, I thought it was int- uh, two weeks ago there was a player who went back for uh, a punt early in the game. And as the punt, ball was coming down, they teach you, of course, you, you keep the ball in any sport. You keep your eyes on the ball until it's in your hands. You follow it down, all right? A baseball player following the ball. If he's looking out here, he'll miss it, swing and miss. The basketball player has got the ball, he's looking at the basket. And in this case, the guy, the ball's coming down. This guy is very experienced. The ball's coming down. As it's, as it's coming there, he took his eyes here because he saw who's coming, juggled the ball, and lost it at like the four-yard line. And you would think, wow, big mistake. And what did the coach do? Now, they, they, the other team scored some points, but the coach turned right around and says, okay, this is our next series of plays, and I want you to throw it to that guy right there. I want you to throw it to him. The very next pass was to him that he caught, that he made great yardage on. And he actually said to the coach later, he said, wow, you went right back to him. He says, that's how you forget about things. Amen. You stay in the game. You go right back to him again and you make a play. You don't sit him down. You don't say I'm not going to use you anymore. God never wants to sit us down. He saved you to serve. He puts his spirit in us empowers empowers us so that we can be lights for him. No matter what age. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not through with you yet. Not through with you yet. In fact, he wants to keep developing us. I'm always realizing I'm kind of in this training room. I'm in, I'm in this program of the Holy Ghost or school of the Holy Ghost. And I'm learning things all the time. And I think the Lord is saying, "Come on, Dave, work harder, work harder." Not from the standpoint we work away to heaven, but the standpoint I just want to believe this is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He has sent. So that's that's where He's focusing. So here's here's God just saying, "Hey, I, I'm still with you. You walk before Me and be blameless." Let's not do. Let's not go backwards again. Now, I'm coming back to you. Your this promise is still alive. Amen. So let's. I think we got another verse there. So it says, "Uh." uh is there verse 5? Maybe not. No longer you'll be Abram, but it'll be Abraham. I've made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings shall come out of you. I'll establish my covenant between me and you. So God just said, hey, I'm still with you. We're still on plan A here, regardless of the circumstances. And it's an everlasting covenant, so on and so forth, to you and to your uh, generation. So circumstances, circumstances can change. But God's ultimate plan does not change. All of us, a certain place in our life today, some of us are older, some of us are younger. Some of us maybe have seen other mistakes, more mistakes than others or whatever. But the point is, today, regardless of your circumstances, his plan does not change. He still wants to use you. That's the wonderful thing about grace and forgiveness. That's the wonderful thing where I always think, don't give up on people. Don't give up on people. There's people that maybe have disappointed you. You might have children that disappointed you. Just don't give up on them. Keep believing. Keep speaking into their life. Especially if you're a parent, you have a right to speak into their life, so keep speaking. Keep texting. Keep doing things. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on somebody who maybe hurt you, disappointed you, or whatever. Keep believing. Because God is in the business of restoration. That's what he does. He does that. I'm so amazed... I'm so amazed that no matter what has happened in someone's life, I mean, you just think, boy, it's over. And yet, if they look up, you know, it's the irrevocable law of grace. If you humble yourself before the Lord, it's like God can't help himself. Oh, they've humbled themselves. I'm going to help them. I'm going to help them. Abraham was one of those characters like that. Same way, God, God was there for him. Now, we know from Romans 4.17 that God calls those things that be not as though they were. So God's calling this guy who he has a promise but still has no child, and he's calling him a father. What would God call you? Let me give you a, a couple tips right away. He'll never call you a loser. He'll never beat you up. He'll never call you a failure. He'll never call you any of those things. God will speak things into your life as he sees who you are. Just like a coach, a a good coach will always speak things into athletes, say, hey, you've got good hands, you've got good feet, you're quick or whatever. They'll speak things into their life. A good coach will. God, who is the perfect coach, is speaking things into our lives. And what he speaks into us are motivational things. Things that says, keep going, stay in the word, keep witnessing, keep praising, stay in prayer. He'll say things to us to encourage us all the time. He's not there to drag up dirty laundry. I thank God that, you know, when he forgets, forgives us, says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our sins. He never says north and south because if you keep going north, eventually you're going to go south. But when I fly and I go, I go east, 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 east. It's always east or it's always west. In other words, the two don't meet. Or someone said, if he throws your sin into the sea, it's like a sea of forgetfulness. So he's not holding up dirty laundry on you. He's not saying, hey, I'm going to bless you. But I still remember what you did five years ago. So maybe not a full blessing. You're going to get 50%. He's not that way. He loves people, and if someone's going to go for him, so to speak, go for the gold, he's going to bless them. He's going to use them. So we, though, have a memory of what we did, and you have to throw that out. You know, you what know, the devil, he'll remind you of things. You know, like the, say, if they, the saying is, if the devil reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. You know, where he's ending up, the lake of fire, which he knows that already, all right? So that's why he's a wild character out here, trying to harm people. So, so you have to remind yourself who you are in Christ. I can't do that if I'm not in the Bible, though. Right. See, just in my own, this isn't like this positive, hmm, meditational thinking. This isn't that at all. No, no, it's not that. It's taking the Word of God and filling your heart, reading it, Thinking about the Word of God, thinking about the promises of God, and as you as you think of that, you know you become who you are thinking about. Jesus. Amen. What would God call you? Call you? Well, He's going to call you something good. Yeah. Amen. He's going to call you something good. He's always going to speak love. Again, it's always like saying, you're going to probably start the conversation with, "I love you," but you're a beloved son, a beloved daughter. A lot of people have. Terrible family backgrounds, even. So it's hard to relate to God as a good father. (laughs) Got to get over it, right? Not like your dad was, say, or your mom, whatever. He is a good father. He cares about you. So Genesis 17, then. So Abraham Abraham comes to a place. God says, your your wife's going to have changed her name to Sarah. And he says, "Uh, I'm going to give you a son, and I'll bless her. She'll be a mother of nations also. Kings of people shall come from her. Now, notice Abraham. I like this, just honesty. Verse 17. Abraham falls on his face and he laughs. I mean, mean, uh, you're not going to offend God. Sometimes people get angry at God. Sometimes someone laughs at God. Not laughing to mock him, but laughing like, oh, you're kidding. How can this happen, you know? So that was one of those cases. Abraham falls in his face, he falls in his face, and he laughs. He says in his heart, "Shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old, and Sarah's ninety-nine or ninety years old? Are you kidding?" So, so, in uh, and, and let's be honest. I think sometimes promises come to us, and we kind of brush it off like, "Oh yeah, right, right, sure." And God doesn't want us to brush off a promise. If you're reading the Bible, when I read the Scripture, there's lots of things that I see that are promises, and I can put my name in there. And God doesn't want me to go too fast. He wants me to personalize it. Hey, did you get that, Dave? Did you get that? That's for you. And I can think, well, hey, kind of late for me. I'm getting a little older here. No, 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 That's for you. Abraham's 99. His wife's 90. He's laughing at the promise. Now, I got over the laughter pretty quick because God was serious, right? So, so he understands. He understands that the promise is for him. Now, notice what it says verse 18 and following. Abraham says, "Oh no, no, Ishmael's the seed." So he's still back here, just saying, "You know, I know I made a mistake, but hey, let's take him. He, it's not going to happen with Sarah, trust me. But let's take him. That, that's the seed." So he says Let Let it be that way. And God said, "No, no, no. Sarah, your wife is going to bear you a son." And you'll call his name Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant. So, so here God says this. Now, let's go to the book of Genesis 18. There's a few things that pass on in between there. But now the angels come, and here's Sarah. And the angel said, where's Sarah? And he said, well, she's here in the tent. And the angel said, I'll certainly return to you according to the time of life. I always like this thing here. The time of life, we, we know today as nine months. All right? Nine months as far as Pregnancy, as far as in a woman, for a human. Your wife's going to have a son. So I'm going to return in nine months. She's going to have a son. Now, Sarah's listening, listening to all this, this conversation. And, and Abraham and Sarah, well-advanced in age, like the term well-advanced, uh, they were. Uh, she would passed the age of childbearing, no longer that way. And she laughs within herself. And she said, I'm, I'm growing. I'm an old lady. Am I going to have pleasure now, Sarah? The Lord, my Lord also being old. Uh, let me just say this. Relationship in a couple should be pleasurable. I'm just going to say that for you adults. Uh, that is there in Scripture. All right? Should be something that's pleasurable. It's why, it's why you have that. All right? And the two become one, flesh. And that's a spiritual union, by the way. People think of it as physical. That, it's physical, but it's Spiritual. And so when you, when you have that kind of a relationship, there is a spiritual bond, a connection that takes place between a husband and wife. All right? And so she knew from years prior, of course, that was a pleasurable event. But notice that she laughed within herself. Now let's go to the next verses. And, and the angel just says, the Lord says, hey, Sarah laughed. Now Abraham knew he laughed, of course, right? And said, am I going to bear a child since I'm old? And the angel said, write this down. This is verse 14 of Genesis 18. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is it, that's a question to us. You should, you, should, you should think about it and formulate it for circumstances in your life. Because we're going to all be faced with mountains at various times. And when you face that mountain, which seems so insurmountable, we have to stop and think, the Lord's saying, is anything too hard for me? No, I'm going to speak to that mountain. I'm going to speak life to my circumstances. And so, so uh, here it is. The, the Lord says this. Point of time. I'm going to come back according to the time of life. All right. And Sarah, uh, Sarah says, denied it, saying, I did not laugh. But she was afraid. And he says, no, you did laugh. And why did he say that? He says, because I laughed too. You know, I'm sure as a couple, they're thinking, can you believe this? You know, Sarah said, no, I really didn't laugh. And he said, I did too. You know, I, I laughed too. You know, I just think this is amazing. And then now they had to still decide that they were going to do something because it was not an immaculate conception. So they still had to decide that they were going to have some sort of relationship. Right? You get my point. And so, so with that, of course, you have to proceed. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God gives us promises. Then he expects us to act in faith so that those promises will be fulfilled. Because I think lots of us... People love the prophetic and so forth, but the truth is, people have so many prophetic words, either that came through another person or came right out of the Bible. Folks, it's not like I need another prophetic word. I've already got, I've got, I just got my hands full of prophetic things, all ready to walk in. It's not like I need another prophetic thing as far as him saying something. He's with me, he's with you. Kind of quiet here. But it's the truth. It's just the truth. God is speaking to you all the time. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. I wake up many times in the middle of the night, and boom, he's saying something. And I realize, we have a kind of running thing here, the Lord and I. It's like, okay. (laughs) Because I realize I have to get up, and I have to write it down, or I'll forget it. Have you ever had that before? You've had something like, boy, it was really good what the Lord spoke. It was just fit, dovetail together, really good, and then you forget, and you don't know it. So I have to go sit down, write stuff down. might be a verse, might be some other word. I'll write it down, wait, and I'll go back to bed, and then it'll say something else. Okay, get back up again, go write it down. I've had it before, like, are we done, you know, should should I sit here for a while? Is there anything else? Something about laying down how things come clear. Isn't that something? But you've got to write things down. Prophetic words that come to us. Amen. So Genesis 21, Isaac, of course, means laughter. I think God has a sense of humor. And and, uh, they named his son uh, Isaac. All right. Born to Isaac, which means laughter. They both laughed and God knew that. So verse 5 through 7 then says, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. Let's let's look at let's, let's just think of that as being amazed. Amen. And she would say, "Who would think that at my age I'm going to be nursing a child?" Yeah, who would think that? I mean, I think God loves to surprise us and do things that we think would never be possible. But he loves to do the impossible. Amen. He loves to do the impossible. Let's quickly let's slide over to Judges for a second in Judges 6, uh, chapter 6. And here's some verses. Israel's impoverished because of the uh, Midianites, okay? And so they cry out to the Lord, and the angel comes and, and sits, uh, came and sat under the tree, which is an Orpha, belonged to Joash, and his son and son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So he's, you know, everybody's, trying to scrape together what they can. So they're, they're trying to keep some wheat away from the Midianites that they can't steal it, so they hide it, so forth. People are living in fear. People, It's a difficult time. And the angel says to Gideon, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now again, what would the Lord call you? Now a lot of us would just say right away, Well, he's certainly not going to call me that. Because why? Because I don't feel that way, because I don't look that way. Because that's just not true. We'd say that's not true. But God is going to speak things to us that are true because of Christ in you. Amen. You get the point. He's going to speak things to you that are very profound because of who lives inside of you. Amen. He's going to speak to the Creator who's still recreating us. Yeah. We're made in His image. So, so all things pass away, all things become new. We're a new creation. So you're not he's not finished with you yet. You're his workmanship. He's still doing things in your life. On camera, it's quite a quiet here, but in your house, I want to encourage you to say amen because it's true. What God is speaking, what God is doing is for all of us. So he calls Gideon and he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now folks, I've been in a lot of circumstances that it sure didn't feel like God was with me. But the truth is, especially when we look at the New Testament, he's never away from us. He's never far from anywhere. He's never far from a sinner. If a sinner calls out to his name, he's there to get saved. He's as close as the mention of his name. So Gideon, you know, he's just like, are you kidding me? You know, so he does what we would do. Go to the next verses. Gideon does how we would talk. He says, if, if, notice, notice these words here. If the Lord is with us. Why and where? Let's write down if, why, and where. So Gideon rehearses things. Well, if the Lord's with us, then why has all this happened to us? And that's, that's a classic thing for all of our lives. If God is with me, then why, why am I facing all these adverse circumstances? Why, why is all this adversity if God is with me? Because we, we stop and think. We think, if God is with me, I'm not going to have any problems. And the scripture actually never says that, never says that peace is not based on no problems. Peace is based on the person, Jesus Christ. It's based on a relationship. So there might be all hell going out on uh, out here in the circumstances. And yet on the inside, I can have peace. Very profound. So he says, if the Lord's with us, why is this happening? Here's the next one. Where? Well, where's all his miracles? Our fathers told us about, don't you, can't you hear that? Where's the miracles? We've heard about these things. We've heard about revivals. Well, where is it? So our, our circumstances can betray us because I'm looking in the natural and I assume then that nothing is happening. Where's his miracles? If he's with us, where's the miracles? And then, of course, the last one, uh, uh, well, if he's with us, why has this happened? Where are the miracles? Okay, that was it. And then he said, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Classic. Israel always looked, the nation of Israel always looked back in thinking like, why did we come out of Egypt? As if they didn't have troubles there. They're oppressed and so forth, but they forget about all their oppression. The Lord even now, this is his conclusion. The Lord, now he's talking to an angel here. Now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hand of the Midianites. God has forsaken me. I'm in the hand of the enemy. We can think the devil is running over us, causing all kinds of problems. That was his feelings. Those are very real. I've had feelings like that. Just being honest, all right? We're not perfect, so I've had these feelings like, oh, boy. Sure, Lord, sure you're doing all these things, right? So we go to the next question. So he has many questions and so forth. But I want you to notice that do we have verse 14 there. The Lord turned to him and says, go in this might of yours. In other words, I'm giving you strength. You go, and you're going to save Israel from, that land of the, from the hand of the Midianites. Now, you should understand from one verse to the next verse, God never answered him. So when, we, when Jeannie and I have faced adversity, when we've faced trouble, and we've had many levels, and we've cried out to the Lord with many questions, <laughs> we're kind of like this. God didn't answer him. Isn't that something? God never gave him answers. Okay, well, it's because of this and this and this and this. Now, Christians will give answers. Sadly, you know, we've had had people come to us, this is happening to you because you're in sin. And it's like, uh, here's a stone. He that's without sin cast the first stone. Make sure you hit yourself first. You know Christians can be the devil's advocate. So, so God never answered Gideon. There's no answer. The angel hears all this. Where is this? Where is this? Where is that? Why is this happening? Okay, incidentally, go on now. In, your, in the strength I've given you, you're going to deliver Israel. Right? And he says, how can the Lord save Israel? So now he looks at his family. He says, my family is just, it's the weak family. It's the least in my father. I'm the least in my father's house. So I have a family doesn't have any money. I'm, I'm the, t- on low in the pole here in my family and so forth. And the Lord said, Surely I'll be with you and you'll defeat the Midianites as one man. So, so, our part is just to understand that God wants you to keep picking up things and move forward. Turn to your neighbor and say, Go forward. We are never in this life going to have answers to the world's problems or oppressions. You're not. Now, I've just learned I'm not even going there. I'm going to keep praising God in spite of things that happen, in spite of what I see with my natural eyes. I'm going to keep praising God and living in the answer that He wants me to live in. That's where there's peace. Let's go to 1 John. A few more verses. Let's go to the New Testament for a second. 1 John 1 and 4. It says, Whoever believes that Jesus Christ Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. So any believer now is born of God. And everyone who loves him also is, is, loves him who is begotten of him. So God loves us so much. Verse 4, whatever is born of God then overcomes the world. So why, why is God saying this? Now this is just a statement. This is a statement of fact. Because of who lives in us. I'm born of God, then I have the overcomer who's already overcome the world. Amen. Remember Jesus said uh, uh, in John, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. world you're going to have tribulation, but I've overcome it. Amen. So he's not saying you're not going to face adversity. He's just saying you can face it with victory. Today or tonight, there will be a winner in a game, but they have to play the game. In order for there to be a victor, there has to be some sort of thing that happens. We win in spiritual warfare. That's the good news. So God's already posted that. You win already done, but now you've got to fight the good fight of faith. Now you have to stand. You have to stand having done all stand, even in adversity, stand with your eyes on Jesus. So he tells us then, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory, even our faith. So our faith is the key there in overcoming the world. If I throw away my faith, if I get so disgusted, disgusted, I just give up. I'm not going to do that. And you know what the Lord will do? He'll just say, take your time. I'll be here (laughs) whenever you want to talk. Whenever you want to come back to me, it might be three days later. You know, Lord, I just really need you. I know you do. Come on, let's talk. You know, he's, he's not like, it's not like there's an argument. You walk away and the Lord says, all right, you got a timeout, and I'm not talking to you for a month. It's not that way. Whenever we come to the Lord, he's there. I don't care for what, whatever happened; It doesn't matter. He's there when we come to him and you want to keep drawing back to who he is. Galatians 2:20, Galatians 2:20, which is a great verse, just says I'm crucified with Christ. Now crucifixion is a process. You're crucified, but you're actually still alive. Okay? You still have choices, but you're surrendering to the process of dying to yourself or your feelings. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life, now notice, the life which I now live. I'm living right now. Hallelujah. Living a life in the natural, but I'm going to live it by the faith, by faith in in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ, this is huge, Christ lives in me. I'm, I'm a born-again, I'm a, I'm a believer, He lives in me, I have the presence of the Holy Spirit, and He's there to help me. Now, now the key to that is that by faith, I'm looking to Him for help, right? That's, that's the key. I'm looking to Him for help. I'm not running from Him, I'm running to Him. So, so I, there's a song, there's a song. just a line, line in the song, I just thought of it. When others walked out of my life, you walked in. God is that way. If you look to Him. That's the key though, right? So we're living it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave Himself for me. So last reference in Romans chapter 8. Then in this world, we have we have tribulation. Wish it wasn't there, but it is. We'll get over this when we get to heaven. Hallelujah. We don't know when that is, but in the meantime, we're going to live our life for the Lord. So... So, can, But can these things separate me? Not if I, if I don't let it. So I'm not going to let tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. I'm not going to let any of those things separate me. I'm going to keep drawing nigh to the Lord. Draw nigh to Him, He draws nigh to you. Amen. Amen. In all these things, write down, in all these things, all of them. So all this adversity that's up here. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why am I more than a conqueror? Because he did the work. I'm receiving the prize. He gives me victory, but he's the one who died for my sins. So so he's done that work for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. And now he's just saying, hey, hey, boy, praise God. Dave, here, here, walk in this peace. Walk in this victory. Walk in my love. So in spite of all the tribulation and trouble and distress, and then the things faced, especially around the world, the persecution and the famine and the perils and all the things, and all these things, I can be more than a conqueror because he loves me. Amen? He loves me. He loves you. Remember, we can say it's, it's, uh, that his love never fails, of course, but his love is irrevocable. It's not based... On your performance, it's not like God loves some people. God didn't love Billy Graham any more than He loves you. Didn't love Billy Graham any more. Not not one ounce more. Oh Billy, welcome to heaven yourself. Oh you're heaven. Oh yeah, come on up to. you. Yeah you made it to. You. Yeah come on. No no no. He he loves everybody the same. We have to get this in our minds. We get these levels and so forth. No Christ in me. Folks, we're all going to get into heaven by his grace. Amen. So we're going to get into heaven, not because of all the little things you did in this life. We're going to get into heaven because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. <laughs> Amen. That's the key. But while we're here on this earth, to walk in this victory is for us. It is for us. It is for everybody. And this is, this is the uh, uh, encouraging things for us. To know that this champion lives on the inside. I want you to close your eyes just for a minute. I want you to just think about your life. And as you think about your life, I don't want you to be drawn back to uh, the what ifs and the mistakes and so forth. But I want you to look at your life that when you ask for forgiveness, and just say right now, say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. You know what? That, that past becomes a clean slate. And the way forward, the way, the way to go is the way forward. I can't go back to last week, but I can go forward. And you're going to go forward. And you're going to go forward with faith. And you're going to go forward with your trust. And you're going to go forward knowing that the greater one lives on the inside of you. And you're going to go forward knowing that good days are in front of you. I don't want you to look at the bad stuff. We all face things. At certain times, it's bigger than other times. But Christ is greater. He's already been to your tomorrow. But let's just live today for Him. Let's just live right now for Him. Let's just live this moment. Let's just put our trust in Him. Let Him remind you of prophetic things that He spoke. Scriptures and so forth like that in your life. God is on your side. And Jesus' plans for you are big. They're not little. You might think, oh, well, I just have a job. I'm just a cook. And so this other lady thought she was a cook and ministered to this student. And I'm sure she ministered to a lot of students as a cook. Everything is significant in life. Your life is significant. Your time in this part of history, 2021, is significant. And he wants to use you for his glory. And I want you to say, put a hand up a second, because it's just a sign of surrender. To say, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I surrender to you. I woke up the other night just singing this song. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. And I just was singing that, and my spirit was singing that. But it's a good place to be at. I surrender, Lord. Surrender so just say thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. For working your will in my life. For working your will in my life. Thank you that I am your workmanship. Thank you, I'm your workmanship. Thank you for living in me. Thank you for living in me. Thank you for this treasure. Thank you for this treasure. Thank you that you've already overcome. Thank you, you've already overcome. And so Lord, I thank you today. Lord, I thank you today that I am an overcomer, that I am an overcomer, that I will walk in the victory, I will walk in the victory that you give me, that you've given me. Thank you, Jesus, Thank you, for wrapping your arms around me, even now, for wrapping your arms around me, even now, so I can walk in the spirit, so I can walk in the spirit, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Amen. amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. was awesome Lord. word? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that word, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I'd Lord. I'd like to... Our God is an awesome God. He from heaven above. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616.